0: That's noo to sign up for your trial today.
1: Welcome to another episode of the In The Pen Podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm Cal joined as always with Rick and with Jake. Spring training is in full effect. We are actually seeing the first of injuries, which one, a couple of these makes me a little more sad than others. And we actually do have some free agent signings, so... There's a lot to get into, and we're going to get into start diving our team by team previews, going through the American League and diving into those pens throughout the league. So, a lot to cover, you guys. How are you guys doing tonight?
2: I'm doing all right. You know, it's, it's watching some baseball. World Baseball Classic started. Um, it's been interesting so far. I mean, Japan looks dominant, but we haven't seen any of the uh, the American teams yet. So. Should be uh should be interesting um you know and as we get deeper into spring too seeing so far not a ton of injuries like that's what I keep saying but you know I just know we are gonna ha- we we're gonna have a rash of them you know before the season starts and it's gonna change a lot of things.
3: I'm doing great. I'm super pumped with where baseball's at right now. I'm loving the preliminary games of the WBC and I'm doing a lot of drafts right now it's like the height of draft season right now mid-march or so so I'm, I'm having a lot of fun in that regard and i'm excited to uh talk some more relievers
1: yeah you guys have gotten lucky your tgfbi leagues are all done mine's coming to a close i believe we're in t- around 25 or 26 so we're getting there and then we also have a couple other leagues we're doing i'm in a guillotine league with people from the pl plus community. So that's a lot of fun drafting that one. So like I said, it's the high draft season and I don't think it's coming to a close anytime soon, but let's dive into some of this, these injuries. We're going to kind of breeze through those because we are doing the American league preview today. And luckily every single injury is in the American league. So we can dive into a little bit more of the effects of it. Uh, during it, but just so we're aware, Tommy Kainley, Lou Trevino are both going to be starting the year on the IL for the New York Yankees. How does it affect that bullpen? We'll talk about that in a little bit, but if you're counting on them for anything at this point, make other plans. Andrew Chaffin's currently battling a groin injury. We'll see how that impacts the Detroit Tigers' pens. And he needs some good news. Andres Munoz and Felix Bautista should debut in about a week or so. Felix Bautista. It is actually progressing well, and that's taking away some of the worry. And good thing with Andres Munoz. And again, we'll get into those pens in a bit. But I do want to talk about these free agent moves, just because there are there is some effect. The first one is not an American League team, so we actually dive into a bit. Brad Hand, after we kind of willed it into effect last week, talking about how he wasn't signed, he signed a one year, one point five million dollar deal with the Colorado Rockies. Do we care? I know we kind of trashed Daniel Bard last week and about where he's going in ADP. So, do we have any interest in Brad Hand?
2: Uh n- no, not in Colorado. <laughs> no, <laughs> um,
3: rest in peace.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. that's, a, that's a, not the ideal landing spot for Hand. I guess he, you know, from a roster construction standpoint, he does have a pretty easy, you know, way onto the roster and. Could and wind up getting opportunities if something happens with Bard. He's probably the next man up, and I, I don't think you know Pierce Johnson doesn't have much closing experience, if any at all. So, I yeah, he's he's there. He's he's there for now, but um, that's that's going to be a tough situation for him at, in that ballpark.
3: Yeah, he, he should start saying his prayers now because it's a recipe for disaster pitching in in cores and having a guy who's been sort of fallen off the last couple of years they were very in need of a left-handed reliever with lucas Gilbreth being ruled out for the season with tommy john surgery so the move makes sense from a rockies perspective but it sort of sucks for brad hand because you have to figure he had no other prospects outside of colorado if he jumped on a one and a half million dollar deal when the rockies were sort of in dire need of a lefty, you have to imagine that he didn't really have any other options out there because I'm sure he would have chosen anywhere else over pitching and course.
1: Yeah. Let's not talk. And outside of the fact that they're also going to be a last place team, probably not exactly a team. We're going to go to try and get wins and stuff, but interesting move nonetheless. And we also willed this move into, effect, fact, but not with Team 6, Will Smith signed a one-year, $1.5 million deal with the Texas Rangers. Again, we'll get into that impact a little bit more when we get to the Rangers, but real quick, am I crazy to think that he's going to be in some sort of save opportunity there?
2: I think it's definitely possible, especially with Leclerc slow to um, slow, you know, with his neck injury this spring. And just Will Smith's, you know, history with Bruce Bochy has been covered. So, you know, Bo- Bochy, he was he was a closer under Bochi before. So there's some famili- famili- familiarity there. <laughs> um, but, you know, the skills have declined for Smith and he's not, you know, this pretty steady decline over the last two years. So I'm not holding my breath and thinking that he's going to, you know, be closing out games in April. But we'll we'll see how things turn out. There's still a lot of question marks in that bullpen and um, you know, it's something we're going to have to wait and see on answers.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. When I saw that move come through, I didn't really consider him for the closer role, but you guys make great points about him having a a, a with uh Bochi and just, I don't know, having more veteran uh Yeah. Time in the bullpen compared to everybody else there. So, I guess that's the only thing going for him. But yeah, the, the skills are definitely declining. Yeah,
1: I'm intrigued. I'm definitely, you know, in a, a deeper league, maybe not even your 15 team roto. If you're in like a draft and hole or something like that, I might take a shot on Will Smith very, very late just for the upside potential. You never know. And like we said, text isn't exactly clear, but we'll we'll dive deeper into that pen and some other names to keep an eye as we get to this AL preview, which we're going to start right now. If you weren't here for last season, we're going team by team. Rick's come up with a great storyline for every single bullpen, so we're going to dive into that, talk about some sleepers in their bullpen, talk about the next man up, names you should know, names you should be monitoring, and, of course, obviously the big names to start off. We're going in alphabetical order, so to not play any favorites. So we'll start off with the Baltimore and exactly we addressed at the beginning of the show. Felix Bautista should be debuting next week. So he's been battling an injury throughout camp, believes his knee and he's battling another injury as well. So are we concerned about Felix Bautista? I know we talked about the ADP, you know, are we, are we still drafting him? Or are we still pushing him down on boards because of the injury? Where do we value him, or we have any concerns or you think he's going to be okay.
2: Yeah. I'm, the news continues after the first, you know, injury revelation, kind of a couple, like I'm um, about a month ago, the news has been pretty positive since then. Um, And it's still though, you know, his value is, his draft, you know, value is still dropping a little bit. So I think it's a great time to, 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 to get him in, in drafts before he starts, you know, before he has that one spring training outing. And it's like, Oh, he looks the same as he did last year when he was, one of the most dominant relievers in baseball um but yeah i'm not i mean the the knee and shoulder injury it's like a it's not a great duo um but I, i i'm i think he i think from all signs right now it's seen positive so i'm not too concerned about it and there's not a ton in this bullpen that you know even if he does miss some time i don't think he loses his job unless it's like a significant like month or month plus you know Um, IL stint
3: I've been becoming more comfortable with drafting him when he first got injured I was pretty concerned about what that would mean for him he's a really big guy I think it's funny that his player pages still say 6'5", 190 (laughs) that's uh, lighter than than I am and I'm 5'10 and not a massive reliever so I think that's pretty funny but that just means that he's a big guy he's going to be dealing with injuries it's difficult to avoid that kind of stuff when you're towing around such a big frame and trying to pitch with such long levers. So uh, knees, knee injuries make sense. I, 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 the shoulder injury is pretty concerning, but the fact that he's sort of trending towards returning and being ready for opening day is definitely making me more confident in wanting to draft him. And like Rick said, he's going at a discount now that everybody is aware of the injury that now might be the time to snap him up because things are sort of trending in the right direction and he's seeming like he could be just as good as he was last year. I mean, this is a guy that I think some people were considering as a top five closer going into 2023 because of how good he was to close out 2022. So if you can get any sort of discount closer to pick 100 with a guy with that kind of ceiling on a team, that's not going to be awful in a great ballpark. I think you got to take the chance because it's really not that early to uh take take on the risk that he is carrying
1: i do like what you said there because at this point in the offseason he like said we used to value he's getting pushed down because of this composed injury concerns you know by the time he goes out throws 100 miles an hour in his first spring outing his mm-hmm. adp is gonna jump right back and he's gonna go in that same tier we had him and he, he was in that like third tier kind of that we talked about last week by the time he gets to your final week of drafts as we get close to opening day, if he's pumping 100 like we know he can and he's fine, he's going to be right in that tier two that we're targeting but also kind of, you know, not as ready to jump in. So, why don't you take the discount now at this point? But if you do have those injury concerns with him, who are some next guys to keep an eye on? If, if, like you said, the Orioles are going to be a okay team and there will be safe opportunities. If we're looking for holds, is there anybody, you know, next in line that you're trying to monitor in case... The injury doesn't progress as well as you want to have in Baltimore.
2: Um, right. I mean, Michael Givens is the the other veteran here. I I think he's definitely going to be in line for for hold, for holds, and um, you know, Sean uh, Perez will still be there. Um, he had a bunch of holds last year. I'm not huge on his. I don't, from a skill set um standpoint, you know, not the best reliever. In that bullpen, by any stretch, but they do trust him in 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 these situations late late in games as you know their top lefty. So he'll get say, he'll get hold opportunities. Um, Brian Baker's been hyped up a little bit. I think there's it. He's, he's interesting. There's some tools there. There's there's some stuff there that that could be late inning uh, worthy. Um, someone to keep an eye on. And if, if Tyler Wells ends up in the, I talked about him, I think two, two podcasts ago, if Tyler Wells sticks in the bullpen, definitely interested in him uh, returning there. And because this stuff definitely plays up a lot better in in a bullpen role.
3: Yeah. And Tyler Wells was a a big PLV darling. So that's a guy that could be really sneaky. I feel like they'll use him more of a multi-inning role, sort of Mm -hmm. what Keegan Aiken did at the beginning of last year before he, morphed into a single inning reliever but tyler wells could be a really sneaky guy in leagues where multi inning relievers or or starting pitcher eligible eligible relievers are valuable but i do i think there's there's not too many options in this bullpen to choose from i think the names that you picked are the ones that are the most obvious i would lean with givens as the guy who's probably next up Partially, like you said, because he's the veteran guy, because he has a history of closing. He was a closer in Baltimore already, so he's got uh, a history there. And he actually still has some of the best skills in that bullpen. He doesn't throw the hardest. He's uh, averaging like 93.5 with his fastball. But he did have a 27.3% strikeout rate, which was the highest in that bullpen outside of Felix Bautista last year. So very interesting Gotta note, Chiano Perez had a 1.40 ERA last year. Lots of luck played into that. So maybe don't go buying into him being that good, obviously. But I I still think he's pretty solid, especially for a reliever that throws 97.
1: Yeah, from one reliever that we are starting to buy back into in Felix Bautista, let's go over to one who we've kind of all been out on this offseason. I don't think that's really changed. Kenley Jansen has moved over to the Boston Red Sox. We know he's the guy who's getting saves in Boston, which is great. But we talked about last week that he's probably not value. Has there been any change? Are you still just concerned with Kenley Jansen? We've had some pitch clock concerns. He's kind of squired that down in spring, but are we still concerned about Kenley Jansen where he's going out in Boston?
2: Um, it does seem, it does seem a little high, but I understand, you know, just the history and the consistency with him. He's really like, you know, you look at the list of the top 10 or 12 ADP getters for, um for closers. And, you know, Jansen's the one guy who's like, you know, been doing it for, Almost 10 years now I, So I, I get why he's he's You know he, people think he's safe and trustworthy But um, yeah the change to a new To a new team and he did it last year And he was he was fine in Atlanta there's you know No can't really complain about What he did in Atlanta last season but now in, in the AL East and You know Fenway And a couple you know tough stadiums Out here good lineups um, He's going to be 35 He's 35 years old Uh, so the, you don't, you know, don't expect the velocity to get back to where it used to be. And, you know, the walk rates always a concern with him too. And it's something he can't afford, um, now, and, you know, just, he's going to have to work quicker and quicker in games. And that's, you know, we've seen a lot of hitters have trouble with the pitch clock, but I think for pitchers, he's, he's the one guy who I still, you know, I'm interested to see him throughout, you know, at least the first month of the season to see how he, he reacts to that
3: definitely i don't really have much to add there i think the only thing that's keeping kenley as a closer is the fact that he it has a history of being one of the best closers of all time i think that's what's sort of giving him these jobs year after year and that's completely fine he he's completely deserving of it and i think it's just important to keep in mind yeah not only the age not only the declining velocity not only the pitch clock effect that will likely have on one of the slowest working relievers in baseball, but also the fact that he pitched for the Braves last year. They were one of the best teams in baseball. The 41 saves were a factor Th- that, that was a, a, a result of him being on that team and, and having so many great opportunities. He could have had more too, if he didn't land on the aisle with heart problems, which is another concern for him this season, but you can't really expect him to have the same fantasy value that he had last year that being said he still had a 33 strikeout rate about and that's very elite so he's still finding a way to be incredibly good when he does pitch it's uh it'll be interesting to see if the red sox can sort of help him work around any deficiencies that he faces next year so i'll be interested to see how that goes it'll it'll be something that you have to watch go ahead
1: now, and these concerns we have are they enough to where you're worried he's going to lose his job, or is is just he'll he be safe? And if he does lose the job, who's the next guys we want to keep an eye on in Boston to stash or monitor if we start getting those uh those rumors?
2: Well, that's another thing is I I don't think he's a, any has any threat really. I know they signed Chris Martin as well, but I don't. Chris Martin's not a close. He's not someone who's going to I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's a closer. He's a great, you know, setup middle relief option. Uh, Schreiber, they didn't really trust in the role ever. He only had, I mean, he, they didn't really. There were times last year where this team was in need of a closer and they never, even though Schreiber was pitching well the whole season, they never really turned to him consistently. Um, you know, there's looking at it right now. I know there's there. Pitching staffs a little, little beat up. Um, I guess it depends on you know Tanner Houck. I think has closer stuff depending on where he he's going to start the year in the rotation, but probably he might might end up moving in back into the bullpen. That's that's a name to keep an eye on late late in the year maybe. Um, but yeah, I think Jansen's going to have you know every opportunity to keep this job for the mm-hmm. whole year, and he's got he's, he's a two year deal. So um, yeah, I think he's going to you'd have to be really bad for them to remove him from the role.
3: Yeah. And even then I, it's, it's hard to imagine them moving a guy like that. Who's never been a setup man in his career out of that role, especially like you said, without too many appealing options in there. I think Schreiber is really the only guy I could see taking over the closer role. I remember when we were talking about PLV, you mentioned Ryan Brazier as a guy that, was looked upon favorably. He's Mm -hmm. pretty old now. He's actually older than Kenley, which is (laughs) surprising. Um, Nonetheless, that's also another guy that has closed out a few games throughout his career. So they, they do have some veteran options. They have the more exciting option in Schreiber, but yeah, it would be, it would be really surprising if Kenley lost the closer role. I think if somebody wanted to do a really bold prediction, that would be a bold prediction.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. I, much as we are concerned about him, and probably not trusting the value. I like you said, a lot's gonna have to go wrong for him to lose their job. But could take that into consideration, we go to another team who, not a lot's gonna have to happen for a guy to lose a job because we don't know who's gonna have that job with the other Sox in Chicago. We, we all three of us have a certain reliever on this team on our TGFBI teams. Kind of works out nicely. Obviously, we think that he's gonna be the favorite. So. Rick, why don't you introduce who it's going to be and talk about how comfortable you are with him, whether he's going to have the role.
2: Well, yeah, it's we're all putting our eggs in the Ronaldo Lopez basket. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure how comfortable or how, you know, it's still it's anyone's guess. But just reading the sea leaves and just, you know, Kendall Graveman's not. He shouldn't be a closer. I, you know, I, I like raveman more, and I've said this, like this, the sinker ball, the pure sinker ballers who don't strike out guys. I, I would rather see them, you know, seventh or eighth inning in cer- certain situations than you know on in the ninth to, to finish off games. I think there's more, they're more, you know, there's better use for them than just being a ninth inning guy. So I think Ronaldo Lopez, though, you know, his first year last year as a reliever went well um i think he's you know although he's got starter he's got some starter pedigree you don't need to that doesn't mean you have to like stretch him out or anything i think he's you know you can sa- save him for one inning stretches throughout the season keep him fresh um and he's got the best i mean joe Kelly's another name but i i don't think they're gonna trust him um in that role so it sounds so to me it's it's lopez or graveman and i i, I think I would lean towards I'm leaning towards Lopez now with um, just everything we've seen.
3: I totally agree. I've been hyping up Lopez on the podcast for a couple of weeks. I hyped him up in an article that I just wrote five reliever sleepers that you can go check out on pitcher list. And I just think he's such a good option not only as just a relief pitcher himself for the White Sox, but also in fantasy drafts, because you sort of have to consider the ADP. I would have a lot of concerns drafting him if he was sort of going in the same area that Kendall Graven was. If he was going around pick 250, Yeah, I would sort of have some concern when there's other guys that have a clearer path to the role on equally good teams with equally good skills. I would definitely have some concern drafting Reynaldo. I'm not like super enamored that he's going to be one of the best relievers in baseball next year. I just think he's going to be an above average reliever on an above average team, and he's going around pick 350, which gives you the leeway to take that shot on him, throw a dart at him and sort of hope that, yeah, he can overcome the competition he's got there. I think you made some great points. Graveman's a ground ball guy. His strikeout rate dropped a lot this past year, like 4%. And you can sort of blame part of that on leaving relief pitcher guru teams like the Mariners and the Astros and going to the White Sox where, I don't know what Tony La Russa does, but he's got some magic that, keeps players from reaching their full potential or something he's gone though so you can maybe bounce a bet on a bounce back there for graveman but yeah i think uh kelly is probably if we're talking about sleepers for this bullpen i think joe kelly's the sleeper we talked about him at the very outset of the offseason as a guy that underperformed last year with a six era and had great underlying metrics a 30 percent strikeout rate and seemed like same Joe Kelly that was just getting screwed by babib so that that's a under the radar guy that if you're doing like really, really deep draft and hold drafts or you're looking for guys to keep an eye on early on in the season, that's a guy that I would be keeping notes on.
1: Is there any interest in Aaron Bummer? I think he's someone in this pen who has had a high leverage role in the past, or is it kind of gonna be like another team we've kind of talked about throughout the show that's there he's the only lefty or one of the only lefties in the pen. Does that a plan to it? Or does Bummer you think uh, find his way into his equation at some point?
2: I, I used to be like, yeah, I used to think Bummer was their closer of the future when they, they, they gave him a, you know, that five-year extension. I'm like, Oh, like it's kind of similar to what Sir Anthony Dominguez got this year. It's like, okay, so they're locking up, they're locking him up. So they don't have to worry about, you know, what his arbitration cost is going to, is going to be if he closes, closes out games. And, He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, It's it's a sorry for the pun, but it is a bummer that he is, you know, (laughs) he hasn't been able to stay healthy because he does have some nasty stuff um, from the left side there. And they do have Jake Diekman, too, as another lefty. So it's not like, you know, they could use him. He might be, you know, if if they want to go the Tampa Bay route where, you know, they have left like he, he could be their left handed closer and late inning guy. So. Uh, I, I think he factors into some saves, um, but it's going to be. I think he's already battling some some sort of injury. I, I think he's still projected to make the opening day roster, but I think that's questionable still. So, yeah, I, I, I use. I mean, we'll see if he, if he gets if he gets to, off to a hot start, and you know, the Lopez or Graveman aren't running away with the job, then someone to someone to monitor for sure.
3: Mm-hmm. He's dealing with a lat injury right uh, now. Um, So yeah, it's definitely the health is the only thing holding him back because if you look at his last four seasons, 2019 to 2022, he has a 2.59 ERA with a 1.18 whip and a 27% strikeout rate. That's really good. He sort of walks too many guys, but he makes up for it by doing a great job at, at limiting runs and base runners. So definitely has the skills. I think it's all about staying healthy and maybe not relying on a guy that is going to struggle all year to stay healthy as your closer is probably a good idea. It's a good idea not to rely on him because you sort of want stability in that role at the end of the bullpen. And if bummer is going to be on and off the IL all year, you're definitely don't have stability.
1: Speaking of stability, let's take a quick break before we move on over to some of the more stable jobs in the next couple teams and, uh, keep going with our American League preview. So we'll come back. We'll jump into one of the top relievers in all of baseball, the Cleveland Guardians.
0: When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So, stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, let's jump into, we're going to continue and stay out in the Central. We're going with the Cleveland Guardians. We all know who's going to lead the team in saves and possibly even the American League in saves and be one of the top relievers in baseball. It's Emmanuel Classe currently going off as the number two reliever off the board, but he probably should be. Do we think he has in him to be the number one? Do you think he has can take that next step, be the number one reliever, upset uh, Edwin Diaz, or kind of kind of say that, too, we're fine, he'll be good? There's no questions about him.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's another... I mean, there's more strikeout potential here than I think what he's shown. Um it's just he doesn't he I think it's like kind of similar to you know Sandy Alcantara where it's like he knows he, he can strike out more guys but he knows he can be more effective in just inducing weak contact and getting guys you know um to you know out in front and you know get ground balls and whatnot so you know a hundred, he's a hundredth percentile chase rate for Class A and you know I mean every other you know category in cast he's you know. Pretty pretty high into, so I think you know just showing that he's he gets that many chases. I think there's more to you know he could could up his K his K rate a little bit. Um, probably not Edwin Diaz level because that's almost unheard of. But I I think with the the you get more stable ratios and a better balance there with him. And if he can just get he he could be a hundred strikeout guy. I think in a full season if he um you know changes some things up, but does he need to be? Not really. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen.
3: Well, what's the exchange rate on like swinging strike rate when predicting strikeout percentage? Isn't it like two two times or or one and a half times?
2: Uh, that's a good question.
3: I've I've heard people yeah. talk about that's that. Their... His is at 18 and a half percent, which seems very high for someone with a 28 percent strikeout rate.
2: Yeah,
1: that does. I think that's a question for someone a lot smarter than me. Um, I just know. <laughs> I, here's my analysis. He gets a lot of saves and plays for a good team. Yep, he's good. Uh-huh. So, yeah. no, that's yeah. a good question. I do think there's another another level. There's not too much more to add than what you guys already have. He's really good. He's going to be very good. and It's an easy call for him to be at that point. But if we're looking for holds on this team, when there's a lot of saves, there's a lot of holds to go around. Who are some candidates for the next men up in Cleveland? Or if we're looking for to find that... To, Future class say if something happens, who are you keeping an eye out for?
2: I mean, Karin Karinczyk made a comeback l- last year. Um, whether there was, you know, I don't know what happened. What, what all of a sudden he could uh, spin the ball it's all on his hair. It's all all in a, his hair, it's all in his hair. All of a sudden he was spinning the ball better <laughs> again. So, um, but yeah, he, as long as he's able to do that, then he, he's one of the elite, you know, set up men in baseball and Trevor I mean she's, this this bullpen is really deep. Uh Trevor Stefan, mm-hmm. I mean b- huge breakout year last year. I think he's a top 10 holds option. Um good three-pitch mix. Uh Nick Sandlin struggled a little bit early on last year, but I I like Sandlin. He's more of a sinker side, you know, sidearm sinker baller type, but he's um he's got some good stuff. Eli Morgan um and it's it's unfortunate that Sam Hentges, Hentges, uh is possibly going to miss significant time because he was one of the better lefties, uh, lefty relievers in the game. And uh, I think he might be able to make it back this year. I don't think they've rolled him out for the season just yet, but uh, it's not. I think the prognosis isn't good for his, his shoulder injury, unfortunately, but the, they'll be OK. They still have a lot, a lot of options here.
3: Yeah, who who do you think the lefty reliever that's replacing him is? If you don't have <laughs> roster resource pulled up, I'm
2: looking at it right now, and I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Um, it's
3: uh, it's Tim Herron, for people that aren't looking. H e r r i n, a 26 year old who I've never heard of before. Yeah, so uh, I guess they they could use uh, Brad Hand now. I guess, well, but go ahead.
2: I, I mean, just look quick, quickly looking at Herring. I mean pretty decent scouting report for a for a lefty reliever he's 60 60 fastball 60 slider grades he's 66230 uh mm. it could be something here he's got a good strikeout rate last year uh
3: yeah and the the guardians are great at developing relievers yeah. and they have shown that with random no name guys that they've been able to do that but 30
2: 30 to 31% strikeout rate at AAA and 41.6% strikeout rate at a
3: Speaking of high strikeouts at double A, uh, going back to Karen Chak, that was a guy who had crazy minor league stats. I was so pumped to, uh, see him finally reach the majors. This was a guy that was striking out like, uh, 53.8% of batters at triple A, 67, 66.7% at double A. That's yeah. not even real. Um, he's the clearly one of the best holds relievers in all of baseball because he's going to get a ton of strikeouts. I think even if, he's unable to continue spinning the curveball like he does. I, that strikeout rate isn't going to fall that much further than 38 from 38.8% down to a, it's not going to fall below 30%, but we did see him struggle in the past when he did start sort of losing the feel for his, his spinners. So there's that. I think for sleepers, Eli Morgan is the guy for me. There was a point last year where I was, really in on him and it's because he doesn't walk anybody and he also yeah. strikes out a decent amount of guys this is a 23 percent strikeout to walk strikeout minus walk ratio guy which is really impressive and that that's sort of something you can use to predict future success as well his uh era estimators aren't super positive they're all around like three and a half which is solid but nothing crazy but definitely a guy to watch going into next year uh, it, there's no way he takes over the closer role but in holds leagues there's a there's a shot he's valuable
1: yeah let's hope your our excitement about james karachak and his hair isn't uh isn't <clears throat> suffered by this uh the new crackdown on sticky stuff that they're supposedly going to be doing more of so mm-hmm. we don't know for sure but there's that's the report I've been going around so he's but he's dominant you know how good he's going to be so Mm-hmm. As you said, this bullpen is very, very good. So a lot of guys will be monitoring. A lot of guys will probably be drafting in your, your deeper leagues. But let's go from one good bullpen to one that we're not sure it's going to be so good. And over to the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> We've gone all offseason season with Alex Lang being the favorite. And I think he still is the favorite. Does he have any competition? Or are you guys kind of bored that he's the clear guy in a not so good team?
2: Um, yeah, it's. I'm trying to find. I want someone to emerge here. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but there's just a lot of all these. The rest of this bullpen is just a bunch of, um, you know, middle relief types who don't. You know, Jose Cisnero, at one point was kind of like, okay, I see how you know he's got some sort of. He's got a you know good velo. He has a decent breaking ball. Maybe he could be a closer someday, but he's just though <laughs> The walk rate for him is just really—it's just not appealing, um, and he doesn't strike out enough guys. So yeah, it's it's Alex Langer bust here, and I don't even know to start the year. I don't think I could recommend anyone for um for holds leagues here.
3: Come on, Rick, like say it with more <laughs> conviction. It's uh he threw you a softball and you like no. bunted it or whatever. He, this is like, it's so clear that Alex Lang is far and away the best reliever on this team, which is Probably not hard to <laughs> be. Yeah, okay. That's fair. It, it's really not hard to be the best reliever on this team. I think I one know. of us might be in competition for the closer role if we were on the tigers, but yeah, Lang is clearly the closer the, I, there's really nobody left on the wire now. So I'm not really concerned that his job's going to be taken. I'm very surprised that the Tigers haven't taken the opportunity to improve a depleted bullpen, but that's sort of the course they've been taking in recent years. I'm not really sure what the direction of that team is, but yeah, you were really right about Jose Cisneros walk rate. I looked it up 18.1% last year in 25 innings. (laughs) <laughs> he only made up for it with a 22% yeah. strikeout, rate. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so bad. So yeah, I think the, the only guy I would even consider in that bullpen is Will Vest. Jason Folly had a little bit of success last year. I think they're both very similar. Folly struck out nobody, like 17% yeah. of guys. So that's where that's why I'm leaning vest there. But definitely not a bullpen I'm going to want to be targeting in any sort of league because the Tigers are not gonna be good and I'm pretty sure this bullpen's not gonna be good. But you do have to sort of say something about Trevor Rosenthal. I Callan was yeah. pretty excited about that. I was
1: throwing it in there because you know how the thing goes. but All season's been it's Alex Lang, it's Alan Klang and then Trevor Rosenfall's gonna come out of nowhere and do it. He's done it before to us, so no you guys are right. This is a bullpen And we don't want to talk about too much more, but Rick, did you have something you wanted to uh, add? I, forgot, to or, I
2: completely forgot about Rosenfall until you brought it t- up. That's <laughs> I yeah. did too. Um definitely not someone to you know, it's the wait and see with him. But uh interesting name, you know, in that bullpen. But I don't think it said A.J. Hinch said it's not it's not feasible for him to be ready opening day. And obviously, how
3: (laughs) How is he injured so much?
2: He's already got a lat injury. I don't Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, gosh. So we're looking at maybe May. I don't know. It's yeah. Well, when he's healthy, when he's on the roster, then we can, you know, discuss what his role is going to be.
1: Let's let's move away from this. I'm getting (laughs) this is not the team we want to talk about. The Tigers. It's it's Alex Lang. It's nobody else. And even that, we're not too. I don't think we're as excited as some people in the industry are about Alex Lang. So drafting me needs saves. You're not going to get too many other better options throughout the season. Let's say maybe take the shot on Zach Britton or something. But I highly highly doubt it's going to be them. But we'll go from one bad bullpen to a very very good bullpen. It's the Houston Astros, and we know another team. We know who the closer is going to be. It's Ryan Presley. We have expressed some concerns throughout the off season of his. He's getting up there in age. He's age thirty four season now. He's battled injuries the past year or so. Are we do we have concerns about Ryan Presley or is he pretty firm in that top five like he's been off season? What do we think about him? And then uh, if we do have concerns, who are some of uh, the guys you want to put on your watch list in case uh, the inevitable injury possibly happens?
2: Um a little concern but nothing that would make me <clears throat> drop him down boards right now uh i think you know he he's had this chronic knee injury that's like always kind of feel like he's on the il of a knee injury like once a year at least um so you know probably gonna miss some time this year S- which makes it you know maybe it is you know in deeper leagues maybe it makes sense to draft rafael montero uh late just to you know, it might seem early, but like it, it might, you know, it might might work out for you later, you know, if Presley misses a week or two in May. So, um, you know, Montero's a guy that I think would be the fill in closer. He was last year, even with Hector Naris there. Naris was pretty good, but he, he had some rocky stints where, you know, he kind of faded out of the picture when Montero kind of took over as the number two option there. Um, Brian Abreu's probably the. My favorite reliever here. I just, outside of Presley, I just don't know if they would use him in save situations or I, I think his role right now is pretty, pretty good as the fireman earlier on in games. Um, and even deeper on in this bullpen, Stanick and Matt Matone. I mean, those are two guys who would probably, probably be set up men for. A lot of other teams definitely the Detroit the Tigers they they probably actually close out games um so <laughs>
3: okay stop kicking them while they're <laughs> no, down sorry
2: sorry all right um but yeah this is it's another but you know again they don't have a lefty again it's always a thing that I don't you know I guess you don't need one if you, if you have all these talented righties but um you know still something that uh, I I feel like, you know, they might miss miss out on probably end up getting a lefty at some point before the deadline.
3: Well, Rick sort of covered everything. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Ryan Presley. I think there's parallels to Kenley Jansen where they're both old. They're both been some of the best closers in baseball over the last few years. the, Skills are not really declining, but they sort of are. It's like he dropped off a mile per hour on his fastball from the year before, but that's not really his bread and butter pitch. It's his slider, Uh which still has a really impressive PLV. It's 5.24 after it was 5.42 the year before. So it's still a really good pitch. And. I just, I just don't see the skills declining at all. I think it's just all about like him staying healthy, but you do have the concern where there's not the same parallels with, with Jansen is that he has got a lot of competition in that bullpen. The fact that Rick was able to name like six guys mm-hmm. that all could be a closer on multiple teams is yeah. very impressive. They have a great core there. And yeah, I think Montero's the clear next man up. Brian Abreu is the clear like. Everybody's favorite reliever in the bullpen. He struck out 35% of batters last year. Naris has a history of closing out games and still has a lot of potential. And yeah, I, the Astros are pretty solidly set in that bullpen. So I don't even think they're too concerned about giving Presley the rest that he needs so that he's ready for their in- inevitable postseason excursion. Yeah, we know
1: they're making the playoffs. I was going to say the only difference between Presley and Jansen is that Presley pitches for a good team. And then there's Kelly Jansen. But, uh, <laughs> you know, after what the Red Sox did to the Yankees in spring training today, I don't know if I can really say that anymore. So,
2: has as a team ever gone undefeated in spring training? I was trying to. I, I just,
3: do not. I do <laughs> not. You know what? So. That's, a,
1: that's a good question.
2: That's a good question. We'll have to, we'll have to get Wait, some more.
3: What did they do to the Yankees? We don't like to talk uh, about they, that.
2: That's they put up like 11 runs on them i think yeah something like
1: that uh, thanks thank you tyler danish Tyler anyway, Danish. i didn't know that tyler da- that danish's name would ever get brought up on this podcast but here we are in the american <laughs> preview but 94.5
3: yeah. era <laughs> i think i could do better on that
1: i think i could do better than that you're right hey
3: we all have zero eras right we now. we do in yeah.
1: we do career zero ERA. <laughs> Sign me up, but <laughs> Yankees are losing to the bol- relievers. We might need one of us. So, but we're getting off topic. But yeah, it's the Astros. They're very good. They're going to the postseason. They have plenty of names. I think you guys brought up the right one. Rafael Montero is definitely one to monitor if Presley, if when Presley gets hurt. Brian Abreu, good for holds. He's going to have a bunch of strikeouts, probably help your ratios. So he's another name I'll be monitoring. And I wouldn't even sleep on Hector Neris being involved for saves. He's just a Dusty Baker likes his veteran guys. And I think Naris has the opportunity to be in a little bit of competition with Montero for that guy. So I wouldn't even throw him fully out there as a potential save kind of candidate there. So we'll move over to the Kansas City Royals team. We talked about a lot this off season because of one free agent signing. Where do we stand on that free agent signing? It's the Ronald Chapman for Scott Barlow early in the off season. I was telling you guys how I think it might be factoring in the save opportunity. I'm starting to change my toot on that. Where do you guys stand on that debate? Is Scott Barlow the clear guy? Does Chapman into Is there someone else in the bullpen that we want to keep an eye out for? If it wasn't one of those two,
2: uh, for me, it's still Barlow until we see something from Chapman that says, "Hey, like, or at least the hint of like him returning to you know twenty twenty one form or you know whatnot, or before that, um, Chapman's still, you know, it's just." Even with the decline in velocity, it's just the the walk rate was bad last year. The strikeout rate wasn't where it used to be. Um, yeah, I, I think this is Barlow's job to lose. I hope, you know, new manager there. I hope, you know, Mike Matheny liked to kind of play games with, 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 with who was closing out. You know, I mean, Greg Holland had some saves, like not too distant past, you know, the ghost of Greg Holland, not the... Mid two thousand twenty tens Craig Holland so uh, you know Wade Davis even factored into it's like these all these Stamont. old guys yes Stamon, who you know is kind of faded out of uh, the picture here unfortunately uh, but um yeah I, Barlow is the only guy here that I really have any trust in um, the rest of it's very question a lot of question marks.
3: Yeah, I was sort of making a face looking at this bullpen. Was, it's not too inspiring. It's not like gross like the Tigers. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll find another way to get
1: that in there at some point. <laughs>
3: um, it, it's not awful. They've got decent arms. There's nobody that I'm sort of targeting as a guy that could have a big breakout season and come out of nowhere. But th- they're not like completely inept. I'm going to be one of the guys on on the top of the doorstep Rooting against Araldis Chapman, so it's hard for me to sing his praises or or wish for him to do any better this next season. Obviously, I could see it. He gets the velocity back and he starts throwing more strikes and he's pitching in a great ballpark and he gets the opportunity over Barlow because Mike Matheny is a fan of his or something. I don't know. It it's it's possible and I, I can see it. I just it's very unlikely. I think there's a small chance that it happens. The way that it could happen, though, is at the deadline, the Royals aren't doing well, and Scott Barlow gets traded because okay. he has been a trade candidate for a couple of years already. He's got some control left. He's been a solid reliever over the last few years. He'd be a great setup man on a lot of teams. That would sort of open the role for Chapman because I could not see a team trading for Chapman. That just seems like a disaster and waiting. But, yeah, I'm not, not super enamored with this bullpen, but you you never know. I, it's it's going to be an interesting year in Kansas City.
1: It- yeah, don't trade for Rawls Chapman. He might walk away from you during the <laughs> playoff series. <It's laughs> True. Uh, but yeah, it's Scott Barlow, I think, is the clear guy. I'm star move. The only reason that you have this concern, at least for me now, is that Matt Quattaro, their new manager, came from Tampa Bay, where we know relievers go to be in mix-and-match situations and don't yeah. exactly have that established guy, unless your name is Pete Fairbanks. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> I think he he'll factor in, but at where he's going in ADP, I'm just avoiding that. It's not worth the worth that shot.
2: I think Dylan Coleman's another name. That's like the only guy here that's not a veteran. Kind of that I think has really good stuff and, um, you know, great fastball velocity, spin rates. Uh, Wish he had a little bit better. His secondary is a little bit better. Slider was good last year. It was really it was good, but I feel like you know. I don't know. I feel like he could he could be a sleeper here. That at least in holds league should be should be taken you know seriously. And you know potentially if Barlow gets traded, like I mean that makes sense. What what you know what you said, Jake? That like this is he's pro- he might be their best trade asset at the deadline. I I, I mean unless someone wants to take Jordan Lyles or Zach Greinke or.
3: Yeah. <laughs> or Hunter
2: <laughs> Hunter Dozier. I mean, there's not a lot of yeah. I, I feel like he's probably their best dead, uh, deadline asset. So if they if they're not in the playoff hunt, he could probably get them a pretty good return. So yeah, that's when things get interesting. And it's like Chapman, Amir Garrett, Josh Stomont, Josh Taylor. These guys all had really good years at one point in their career. Or, or I mean, Chapman mm-hmm. had multiple good, good good years. But like, it's been a while for all of them. So um, I don't know. Could be a good bullpen. Probably not. We'll see if if those guys all make nice, you know, good comeback years for them.
1: Yeah, I'm intrigued. I think Coleman's a good name to bring up as well. He might factor in, especially like you guys say, if Scott Barlow does get the potential inevitable trade, he probably would be the next guy up that would have some interest in. But when we get back, we'll go from one confusing potential bullpen with Kansas City to an even more confusing bullpen if that's possible with the Los Angeles Angels who have four, five guys who could maybe close games out. So who are we taking the lead that team in saves? We'll get that in just a moment.
0: Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors That are easier to maintain and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one the best part you decide how noom fits into your life not the other way around and based on a sample of 4272 noomers 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, all season we've been having this same debate. Who's going to lead the Angels in saves? I continue to bring up Carlos Estevez, and I think you guys are kind of in agreement on that, but let's run through this pen. There's about a four-headed monster, at least how Ross the resource has it for saves. So are you still on the Carlos Estevez train even after a brutal start to his spring training?
2: <laughs> um, for now. Yeah. I I think it's you know they say that he's, they're trying to, he's working on stuff. He's, he's working on throwing his fastball up in the zone and, um, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I guess they're trying to do that, but, um, it's not working well. So, um, hopefully he can he's got time to figure it out and that's definitely something he should be working on because with his velocity he should be you know fastball up in the zone you know slider change up you know down that's should be all he does and um i think he's just like if you look i'm just looking at the by pitch velocities i mean her gets 92 miles per hour to Paris, 92 miles per hour. Like, no one throws more. No one throws over 95 in this bullpen except for Estevez, who can get it up to like 98, 99. So just based on that, I feel like, you know, he's he's got the poten- he's got that closer stuff, the potential that he's getting paid, you know, seven million dollars a year. Um, yeah, I, I don't see anyone here that's going to challenge him early on in the year. It's, I think he, I think he enters the year as a closer and then they go from there.
3: So her gets the top setup man, I guess, just yeah. because he's has the most history of being trusted last year. But I, I think Tapera's got a, a shot at being that guy too, because he was a, a big holds guy, a big saves guy for the, the white Sox in, in, past couple of years and matt moore was actually really good last year as well too they've got a lot of veteran guys here and even some guys like jose cajada who had a 30 percent strikeout rate last year in a sub four era actually had a lot of success so i think the bullpen's got a lot of options there's just none that are super standout yeah. right so who who would you consider like the top two guys is is set up
2: i think Hurgate, yeah based on just how he finished last year um they trusted him in in the closer role and that's you know he he didn't do poorly in it so maybe that gives him a chance to to start the year there if estevez still continues to struggle uh and then yeah Tapera and Loop were both they didn't pitch as well as they had hoped you know after spending money on them mm-hmm. uh so you know you bring in Matt Moore I feel like Matt Moore is going to figure into being their top lefty setup man with uh yeah i mean i like quejada was yeah he's probably had i think he had their best strikeout rate last year um another good lefty but yeah it's it's a it's like kind of a mixed bag of veterans here that Mm -hmm. you know no one really wows you and that's kind of the angels
3: thing i feel well you know who does wow me though is ben joyce and i think we've been sort of dropping the ball by not talking about him this whole off season. Cause this was a guy that was like the talk of the town on Twitter for all of last year. And he was pitching in college. That's a, that's a Tennessee guy, right? Yep. Yeah. He just, he throws like 104 miles per hour out of a a sort of, weird arm slot it's like 3 quarters or whatever and he also has a slider he's been unscored upon in 3 innings so far in spring training and he actually just shut down the team USA lineup i think that was today which is pretty cool in in the one inning that he pitched so he's looking like he could actually make this team this is a guy that has the stuff to be in the major leagues and it's all sort of about control and how he goes about working around major league pitchers or batters but I have a lot of faith in this guy. I do totally agree that they're going to give every opportunity to Estevez and they likely let her or one of those other veterans take over the closer role after that. But outside of that, Ben Joyce has got to be the biggest sleeper on this team and he could be really dominant. I just, I'm not sure they want to use him as the closer role in the closer role at such a young age. He's only 22, but you don't have to remember this is Shohei Otani's last year. So he short of have to go all in a hundred percent. And that would seem to be using Ben Joyce in that closer role. And that would be so sick if he just came up this year after just half a year in the minors and just became one of the league's most dominant relievers throwing hundred plus mile per hour fastballs.
1: Yeah. When you brought him up in our group chat, I had to kind of look up and be like, wait, who the heck is Ben Joyce again? But he's third round <laughs> pick from this past draft. He spent all of last year in double A in his 13 appearances. Would be a heck of a jump, like you said, but maybe he does factor into this. I do, you know it's a it's a headed monster. I agree with you guys that Stevis is the guy I'd want most on this team to get the saves. Um, I'm definitely interested in Matt Moore. They've spent the money on him in free agency, and you talk about Quijada and Loop, two good lefties that they can use in our situation to let Matt Moore be the fireman or the you know, lockdown quote unquote closer. So I do think he probably would be right up there. If her is the next guy up, probably two, three, same pair of just trusted veteran. A lot of good guys. Like you said, there's no one that wows you, but when you go through the pen, it's actually, you know, got some intriguing names. So I think there's going to be a lot of value with, uh, angels relievers when you get to deeper drafts and need to grab your hold. So, you know, it's like you said, the team doesn't wow you, but they, maybe this year, they finally find a way. We'll see. But let's move over to the Minnesota Twins who have the biggest, if not the second biggest one-two battle in Minnesota. We know the names that you want to know. It's John Duran and Jorge Lopez. So as we sit here, as we're recording this on Thursday, March 9th, who leads the team in saves? Is it Duran or does Lopez still factor in and take more from him?
2: Uh I hate I, this. I put this question up here and I still, I don't know how to do <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say Duran just because I'm not sure it might not be Lopez. It might not be Duran. It might be someone else, but if it's between those two, I trust Duran more. I mean, he's just, I don't know why, like, you know, you see all these other relievers who are like down three miles per hour in the spring, just kind of slowly ramping things up. And Duran's out there throwing 103 uh, with 99 mile <laughs> per hour splitters, like what's he? What, what even is a 99 mile per hour splitter? I don't. <laughs> that's come on. Um, he's just insane. It, mm-hmm. I think even if he's in a timeshare, I, I think he he's probably going to be the guy that gets the middle of the order out at the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. I think that still gets him twenty saves ish. Maybe maybe you know, give or take some. Um, so I'm not, I'm still drafting him, not worried about necessarily, I'm not expecting him to get me 40 saves. I'm expecting him to do everything else plus 20 saves. And I think, you know, where he's going right now, that's fair. Uh, Jorge Lopez really struggled when he got there in to Minnesota. Uh, I still think there's a skill set there for him to be a really good reliever. Uh, I think he can get back to his first, first half self. I think, you know that's not out of the question so um but still yeah i mean i'll let jake talk about this a little bit more but i i I like this bullpen in general so we can talk about more names in a bit
3: sure yeah i totally have to agree with you that duran's probably the likeliest team leader in saves this is a situation where you just want to choose the guy with the best skills and it's possible that he might have the best skills out of any reliever in all of baseball like you said that splitter is insane I, like there's no comp to that pitch it's absolutely ridiculous and the fact that his fastball is even harder than that i i just i don't there's not much else to say about how insanely good he is so I think even if he's not the closer, I think he's still going to be the most valuable reliever in that bullpen because he's going to strike out a ton of guys and he's going to produce a very good set of ratio. So I loved her on this year. And I think there's no doubt that he's going to be amazing this year. The Lopez is interesting. It's hard to tell what the real Jorge Lopez is. Is it first mm-hmm. half of 2022 or second half? Was it the ballpark change? Was it the environmental change? Was it just regression I think it's going to take some appearances in the 2023 season to answer those questions. So there's not much we can say now, but you do have to keep it in the back of your mind that he could just turn back into first half Jorge Lopez and be one of the most dominant relievers in baseball again, like he was at the beginning of last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an interesting one where I've been monitoring very closely as we sit today, every projection system on fangraphs currently has lopez leading the team in saves but it's bullpen saves they're very hard to project i'll probably stick with you guys and say duran will be leading team in saves but it's close i've been warming up a little bit to the idea of drafting jorge lopez i'm still probably not going to do it but he still will be fine but like you said rick there's still a few other interesting names as you get deeper in this bullpen including one with some uh, incredible stuff so let's dive into some uh, a few of those names if you need some holds if you're a Looking outside, this is a twins team that has improved that we think could compete potentially for that division. So, who are some other names you want to monitor as a maybe yeah. I'm not saying the next Duran, but someone else in that pen that could factor in this down the road?
2: Yeah, I don't think this is going to, I don't think I consider this the best bullpen in baseball, but it's one of the deeper ones. And I think, you know, Griffin Jacks had a huge breakout last year in the bullpen for them. I know he, fa- he he's a huge, you know, stuff plus, you yeah, know, he's guy he, he um favors well with those metrics uh caleb tealbar you know for a 36 year old lefty who tops out at 93 has really good you know on, on our plv numbers he really grades out favorably um emilio pagans a guy who you know has kind of been you know shaky in the last couple years but you know i wouldn't count him out as You know, we've seen him be pretty dominant before, um, not that long ago. So, you know, and then there's two younger younger guys and Jorge Alcala and Giovanni Moran, who both have really good stuff. Plus, I mean, these guys can be really good relievers. Alcala's dealt with injuries, and for Moran it's just kind of I wanna see see him get into more um, you know, high leverage situations. He he also could you know walk a little walk he you had know, 11% walk rate last year not terrible but you know it'll be nice to bring it down a little bit but 33% k rate for Moran so an interesting lefty that got there along with steelbar
3: mhm yeah i Moran's really interesting to me i think he got a lot of hype towards the end of last season and i think some people could see him turning into a really dominant reliever this next season just because he strikes out so many guys and he's able to uh limit the runs because of it so that's somebody that I wouldn't really consider as a save sleeper but definitely could be a hold sleeper just cuz he could rack up a bunch of strikeouts and and turn into one of the more high leverage arms in that bullpen. I'm sort of staying away from Griffin Jacks solely because the pictureless projection system points him out as like one of the three guys that they see unfavorably. I'm not really sure why. His P- his PLV numbers aren't terrible. So, but I'll take any sort of stat I can get and if it's one of ours, I'm I'm not going to take it with a grain of salt. I'm going to say, you know what? Easy avoid for me there. But yeah, he was good last year in a breakout season. Theobar is weird. Like you said, a, a 36-year-old reliever that doesn't throw that hard, but strikes out a ton of guys, doesn't yeah. walk anybody. Just a big strikeout to walk rate, darling, which is probably one of my favorite stats to use to evaluate relievers. So I love that. And the last guy, Jorge Alcala, who you mentioned, was one of the sleepers during 2022 drafts because mm-hmm. it seemed like Emilio Pagan was the – closer to be and he was at the beginning of last season and it seemed like alcala had the opportunity to take over that role he ended up getting injured and only pitched two innings last year so maybe this is the year he recovers and becomes one of the key members of that bullpen but i'm not really sure at this moment yeah it's i look what you said it's uh, the the names again aren't Fully
1: flashy from Minnesota. I mean, obviously Duran's flashy. Duran, one hundred and fifty miles an hour. It's hard not to be in love with that. But other than that, it's it's deep. This, I like stuff. Christian Jackson, someone who I've been intrigued about. Obviously, we like Jorge Lopez. So it's an, another team I'm going to keep in close eye this season for you know deeper names. They have done a good job developing these relievers lately. So I think this is going to be another year for that. Let's move over to New York, where we know Clay Holmes is the quote unquote the guy right now. But it, are we? Sure about that? Is he? How safe is this closer job? Are you guys drafting him? What's your view on Holmes and, you know, the guys around him?
2: Yeah, it's, he's a tough one. That whole, that mix, right, where he's going around like, you know, 100 ish in the ADP, it's, I don't, I have a tough time. I feel like I need him to slide a little bit more to to take a shot here. I do, I don't have concerns about, you know necessarily how well he'll pitch. It's just I don't know about the role. I again I've brought I don't I don't know if he's best suited for the closer role here. I don't know who who else will be. Uh, I mean they lost Trevino today and mm-hmm. um Ca- Canley. So there those are two guys that they're gonna miss. But you know I still still like Michael King a lot, and we can get to get into him a little bit more. But yeah, Holmes I I. I I have a really t- a tough time. I feel like he's not. Like, it's not crazy to take him where he is. It, it, it's just I don't. You know, I think I'd rather wait, and or if it's an auction, I'd rather spend a little bit less on you know some of the guys after him, like maybe Barlow or Bednar or or Alexis Diaz.
3: Mm-hmm. I think I share your sentiment on him. I think he's going to be a very good reliever next year. It Maybe it's not because he strikes out a lot of guys, which is like a quarter of batters he strikes out, but because he just dominates with the ground balls like nothing we've ever seen, he's going to have success no matter what, but there's no guarantee that he gets all of the save chances. I'm reading on his Fangraphs page. I didn't even have to go far to look for this, but on the 24th of February, Aaron Boone said that there are going to be days where he's going to use him as the fireman. If, if the middle of the lineup's coming up in the seventh or eighth inning, he's going to use him there. And that sort of just opens up opportunities for other relievers to come in and steal the save because they want to use Holmes as the fireman. And I think that's fine. Like firemen are still draftable, especially on teams like the Yankees that are going to win a lot of games. And especially with a reliever like Holmes that's going to have success next year, basically no matter what, whether that means he gets 10 saves or he's closer to 20, I still think he's going to be worth drafting, but yeah, you do have to have a little bit of concern when you're drafting him around pick 100 because there's still guys there, <clears throat> Pete Fairbanks, um, that <laughs> are g- guaranteed to be amazing next year in this, in all of the departments. And if you, if you can't count on Holmes to like, if, if you're not guaranteed more than 15 right. saves with Holmes, it's sort of murky there, but yeah, it's, it's, yet to be seen how he's going to be used, and it is a possibility that, you know, the Yankees just continue to have the injury bug decimate their bullpen like it did last year, and they just sort of are stuck with using homes there because that's the only guy they can trust in the ninth.
1: It was a sad day today to see both Tommy Kainley and Lou Trevino both said they're going to start the RNA IL. Kainley, it's a biceps uh tonight where he he pitched through it. He says he didn't miss about a month, so I think he'll be He'll probably be back at some point, you know, late April, early May is kind of what my timetable Lisa's now is. Luchauino, I don't know what it's going to be. It's a strained elbow, anything with the elbow, and I'm not even going to try and put a timetable on it. So let's hope it's nothing too severe because we already have Scott Efrost who's dealing with uh, Tommy John surgery. Uh, But you you referenced mm -hmm. Michael King. Rick, we've talked all off season how we kind of like him. Maybe not even as a, the next guy up for saves, but with the ratios. Is there anybody else in the bullpen? Or if you want to get more into Michael King, we can. But anyone else in the bullpen you're keeping an eye on for ratios or the next guy up when Clay Holmes use as via. If he's used as a fireman at some situations, who are some guys you're taking the back end as some like cheap save here and there?
2: Yeah, I love King. I want to, you know, I think he's the the best the next best option there. Um, you know, Loisica, I think he bounced back in the second half last year and pitched better. He dealt with some injuries as well, but he's looked good this spring so far. I want to see that K rate go back up. I want to see him, you know, start striking out more guys. Um, those are the three that hit those two and Holmes are definitely the top three there with, with no mm-hmm.
0: Um
2: And then after that, it's, I, I mean, there's some like, Weiser, Weiser and Marinaccio are interesting, um, but, you know, definitely not guys. Probably wait and, hold, wait and see guys and holds leaks for now. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're really going to miss those two guys, Trevino and Gainley, because, you know, without them, that bullpen gets a little bit weaker in the back end.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the clear setup guy is Tyler Danish. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, that's all the time we're going to yeah. have on the show. Jake, thanks for joining us. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just a temporary guest this whole time. Um, yep, exactly. <laughs> Michael King. Yeah, I, I love Michael King. He was amazing last year. He really dominated and was looking like one of the upcoming best relievers in baseball, just with how dominant he was with his curveball. One of the best curveballs in baseball. PLV absolutely loves it. So I think Michael King should be the next man up. I think Lo- Loizaga is the next man up though, which is sort of concerning because what happened to him last year, he was like a guy that struck out around like 24% of batters and didn't walk anybody. And then last year his walk rate jumped nearly 4% while his strikeout rate dropped 6%, which is not the combination you want to see. So I'm sort of losing faith in a guy that I was drafting at the end of my tgfbi draft in 2022. So, unless he can turn those skills around, which very possible, relievers are very volatile, you never know. But skill numbers like that strikeout and walk rate, they uh sort of level out faster than most stats, so you can trust them after a certain number of innings and the fact that he tossed a decent amount of innings last year, 48, you can sort of trust those numbers. So there's something wrong there, I don't know what it is if it's an injury or what or if he's just declining but i think that lets king walk into that role and yeah outside of that i think marinaccio is the the clear guy struck out 30 percent of guys last year and had a 2.05 era that was not supported at all by xfip which was two runs higher but still i think he's he's got some abilities there and it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he plays as he sort of moves into one of the more one of the roles uh, as one of the more trusted relievers in that bullpen I think
1: Marnacho could be a great fit for what Michael King was to start the year. You know, the fireman, mm-hmm. give us two innings. Maybe he'll steal a win or two here. Like I said, the 30% K rate, he had some, he's some good stuff. And Yankees clearly started to trust him when Michael King got hurt. His role elevated immensely before he got hurt himself. So I think Marnacho could be a very deeper sleeper in his pen for a steal, win, some holds. And he's a Jersey guy. And as someone from New Jersey, I've got to make sure I highlight him. So it's another bullpen. They're losing guys, but I think there's a lot of names to like and doesn't have the flash name like an Aroldis Chapman or Andrew Miller, but plenty of names to get be intrigued with in New York. Complete opposite out in Oakland. Uh, we'll move over to the next team. All off season. We've talked about Trevor May as a sleeper, someone we liked outside of the top 300 as someone as the, we thought was favorite for saves. Is that still the case? Are we still on the Trevor May bandwagon or is he uh, starting to move down in our eyes?
2: Uh, Jake take this one this is this is your team this is it is my team yeah
3: I think he's still only moving up for me I just keep gaining more confidence in him I think it's clear that he's got one guy to compete with and it's Danny Jimenez I'm not glad that AJ Puck's gone I was really excited when they drafted him and I loved him when he was available to pitch but now that he's gone it's clear that it's either May or Jimenez And they're literally paying May more than anybody else on the team in 2023. And if that's not like the clearest example of why a guy should be the closer, then I don't know what is. They're going to trade him at the deadline. The best way to drive up a relief pitcher's value is by getting him all of the uh, publicity he can get. And that's by getting a bunch of saves, pitching in the ninth inning maybe making an all-star team if the A's are really that bad and they're going mm. like sending a reliever like the tigers have the past couple of years, but <laughs> Oh, one more shot at the tigers. Um, <laughs> I did it. I told you. I told um, you it was going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I keep getting more confident in him, especially after writing about him in my article last night. I just, he's got to be the guy next year and, even if he's just there for a few months getting a bunch of saves, that's completely fine with me. So, yeah, I'm I'm completely sold that. It's May this year, and I can't believe he's still going at, after pick 300.
2: Yeah, it's... I'm surprised there hasn't been any helium at all with... I mean, I don't know... I'm guessing, you know, drafters just want to stay away from this whole situation, and I get that because Oakland's not going to win a ton of games, and what are you going to get? But you know, I, I've said it before, and I'll, you know, I'll say it again that there's there's bad teams that re- create really good closers, or like really, mm-hmm. you know, you can get 20 saves before the deadline with May before he gets traded. Um, you know, it happened with the Tigers a few years ago. With Shane Green it was always the fame. Shane Green was like leading the league in saves, and the Tigers were had one of the worst records in baseball. So
3: yeah, because it's like when they do win, they it's barely win like, by anything. It's going to be close <laughs> games.
2: Exactly. So you know, I I. I think it's he's not someone people keep sleeping on him, and I, I I can't believe his ADP is still outside three hundred. Um, mm-hmm. And he struggled last year. He's he has he's, he's had some health concerns, but when he's healthy, he's a really he's a really good really good reliever, and by far I think the best stuff out of anyone in this bullpen um, when when he's right.
1: So if he when he does inevitably get traded, or if he does lose a job, are we is Danny Jimenez? You, Jake, you said he's the only one to be concerned about there. Rick, you mm-hmm. agree? Danny Jimenez is the next guy up, or you know Acevedo? Anyone else in this Oakland bullpen you want to monitor for when May does get traded?
2: Um, yeah, it's probably I'd say Jimenez or Acevedo. I don't think Zach Jackson's really. Uh, I mean, maybe Zach Jackson. I, those three are just kind of very interchangeable and okay. And I, I don't know. None of them really stand out. Um, Jimenez flashed last year, but again, yeah, I still, this fastball's not, not very appealing. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm guessing they'll go with one of those three.
1: Jake, as a resident ACE fan, I'd like to, to, your permission, we're good to move on from Miss Patton. You you ready to not talk about a much better bullpen?
3: No. 10 more minutes, dad, please.
1: Alright, fine. Let's move over to Seattle, <laughs> where we have uh, another confusing close situation. We got two guys who are both very, very good, Andres Minos and Paul Seawald. you has the same question in
3: Minnesota. Who leads the safe the team in safes?
2: Uh Jake, go first.
3: <laughs> yeah. This one I think is a lot more difficult than Minnesota because Seawald is a lot better than the sort of counterpart. Uh, in minnesota as uh, pablo lopez seawald sort of the the pablo lopez of of uh the seattle and muñoz is the parallel to duran
2: jorge lopez
3: seawald just go ahead i said
2: jorge lopez not pablo
3: oh yeah thank you (laughs) uh i didn't even realize i said that um uh, (laughs) nonetheless uh yeah i I think seawald's just really good and it's hard to imagine that he doesn't at least get like 10 to 15 saves. Cause last year he had twice as many saves as um, Munoz. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Way more than twice as many. He had 20 and Munoz had four. Can't forget that Diego Castillo had more than Munoz last year. So there's definitely still a possibility that since Seawald was so dominant last year that he, he could be the closer there and you can use Munoz as the fireman. So I, I feel like it's fifty fifty right now. I feel like it's like a clear committee, but it's just two guys and they're just gonna switch off and use those guys when they feel like they need to.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. Draft it's both of them. I think they're going. <laughs> yeah, just, that's no, it, it's a draft. I think both of them are kinda going where they should be going and but that being the case, I think Seawall has a little bit more value just going going a little bit later, and I think he's he he has more saves, but it's not going to be by a, a ton more than what Munoz ends up with, and um, yeah, I I think I think they're both worth worth a shot. I mean, Munoz. The only thing is, I, I he still hasn't pitched this spring, and you know, they say he's going to be ready for opening day. Um, and it still sounds like he will be, but still, not great. Um, not not something you want to see or hear about. So. I think that would kind of fade fade him for me um, with where his price is at right now. But if he falls and if he falls from any of this news or if he goes, if he's after pick 160 or 70, I mean, I think he's worth a shot just based on how good he really is.
1: Jake referenced Diego Castillo as someone who had more saves than Andres Munoz. Do we think he plays a factor? Anybody else in this committee, or it's just those two and the next guys are just... You need holds, very fine options.
3: Uh... I don't think he's actually going to play a factor this year as much as he did last year. Last year I was sort of really hyped on him because Mm -hmm. they were clearly using a committee and he started out the season so poorly that not only was everybody dropping him, but nobody wanted him on their team. And that's when I jumped and he actually got me a few saves in TGFBI and and leagues like that where saves are really valuable. So he was actually pretty cool to have on the team for a, a few weeks yeah, I don't see that reoccurring in 2023 though. Matt Brash was really incredible when he got moved to the bullpen. That guy's stuff is insane. I remember when he debuted and he was pumping upper nineties fastballs with some of the most wicked uh, yeah. Off-speed pitches that I've ever seen. That's curveball and slider are crazy. And the fact that he struggled a lot with his command as a starter and then moved to the bullpen after a brief stint in the minors and, was absolutely dominant. I don't think he's going to be vying for saves, but this is a guy that could be one of the top holds arms. He can probably go multiple innings as well. I think that's a really underrated guy in safe plus holds leagues. That's not really talking, not really being talked about enough. And I'd be really excited to take him late in drafts as a guy that could sort of take off as one of the better relievers in baseball.
2: Yeah, he's kind of. I think he he could have like kind of a James Karinczak type um, mm-hmm. K rate, and it, just adding to this, you know, it, I think it's going to turn it to be. Yeah, it's going to be a three headed monster with him. See, while Munoz there, I think Castillo. It's it's tough with Castillo. I you know I liked him a lot last year and the year before and prior, and you know, looking at his whiff rate on his slider over the last three years, it's gone down about ten percent each year. Roughly, so something you know, either hitters have figured him out, or you know something, something's going on there with the slider, where it's just not getting the same. It doesn't have the same effect anymore. So tough to see. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if he really factors in anymore. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, when when Brash returned to the bullpen last year in July, he had a two point three five ERA and a thirty four percent strikeout rate.
2: Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. That's that those that the breaking ball will play very well at the back of an end of a bullpen um and even like there's still like Penn Murphy and Matt Festa are pretty interesting names too and Trevor God even had like a little stretch of, of Milwaukee last year where he looked really good so it's another one of those i think it's another really good bullpen um definitely those top 3 make it uh, you know probably one of the top 5 bullpens in baseball potentially but even like depth wise, there's you know there there's some interesting names here. Um, but again, no lefty. Another team that's not doesn't have a lefty in their bullpen as of now. Yeah,
1: I've, like you said, this is going to be another one of those best bullpens in the league. I do think of Castillo could factor in some saves, but obviously it's Minos and Seawald. And I would agree 100 percent with your sentiment about Matt Brash. He's someone who I would definitely be targeting saves holds late. Banner's going to be very good. So he's going to be used in high leverage situations as long as they like it. So attack his bullpen. There are a lot of names to like Wilver to Tampa, who's kind of in that situation with the manner to start with just a very confusing bullpen. But if you listen to this podcast long enough, we know that we are all Pete Fairbanks fans. We're very big Pete Fairbanks fans and we think he's going to be great, but should we have the same confidence? We think Jason Adam factors into this. Do we think Fairbanks gets to 20 saves with Adam around or, you know, Kind of same similar questions is Fairbanks the lead guy, or how much do we like Adam as a follow up?
2: Uh, I'll be the contrarian here and say I don't think Fairbanks is going to, <laughs> to get, to, get to, to. I don't okay, think Jake you're to, back on,
1: <laughs> Jake, you're back on the podcast, Rick, you're off
3: now. <laughs> Let's go.
2: I, I don't know, it's just Tampa Bay. I they're gonna do weird things, um, uh, and Fairbanks injury history. I mean, they're really. Really being careful with him in spring in the, the spring training, um, he, he finally made an appearance and his velocity wasn't great. And no one's velocity's been great, but for him, it's just like one of those like, you know, just knowing his injury history, it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. But you know, first outing, we'll see, we'll see how he progresses through the rest of the spring. Um, I still think you know where Fair, Fairbanks is still a good value just because, like we talked about with Duran or even Muno's like he's going to get around 20 saves probably as long as he's healthy. Um, and just everything else that comes with it is, is worth the, worth the value is worth the pick. So, you know, elite ratios, ton of K's. Um, I think Adam, yeah, I mean, we'll see what, ev- how F Adam can continue what he you know did last year and kind of his breakout season. I, had liked Adam when he was back in Chicago and he's kind of the way how he broke out last year was not how I was expecting it. They changed some things with him and it, it obviously worked out and um, he's definitely the number two guy here and it's weird because usually Tampa Bay there's like a bunch of names we're looking at in their bullpen but after those two it drops off a little bit gets gets a little dicey and um, yeah I I think those two are going to be the ones dominating the save chances.
1: I was gonna say Tampa Bay usually churns out fifteen amazing relievers a year. Is there anybody else we're keeping an eye on for this competition, or is it just you know Adams, Adam Fairbanks, uh, and that's about it for us?
3: Did Did you mention Garrett Clevinger?
2: No, I haven't. I was gonna. Yeah, that's that's the name, the lefty there. That's intriguing. Um. Uh-huh. Yeah. Talk about him
3: sure yeah i mean this is a guy that was on the dodgers so you know at least one other smart team was interested in him mm-hmm. and i'm not sure what the race did differently but he took a huge step forward with them last year and was striking out a ton of guys like 38 35 percent of guys last year which anybody that's striking out that amount of guys no matter what they're doing outside of that is pretty intriguing like you said rays are just incredible at Getting the most out of all the relievers, coming, getting guys out of nowhere, and they're not afraid to use some random dude that your mom's never heard of, <laughs> and <laughs> having him close out twenty ball games. So you never know, because I mean, not only is that just like the race thing to do, and it's like. That it's it's effective, but also then you can just trade those guys away and then you get like, I, I forget who Emilio Pagan was traded for, but like just stuff like that where you're trading away a guy and, and getting some good prospects back. But that's just what they like to do. And I think Clevenger is clearly that guy. There's got to be... Like Callen said, there's got to be like six to seven guys in the minor leagues or on the free agent wire right now that are going to be contributing, <laughs> to, contributing mm-hmm. positively to this bullpen at some point this season. And you just have no idea who it's going to be, but we'll see once we get there. But yeah, you know, I'm a big Pete Fairbanks guy and there's nothing that you can do to change my mind.
1: Yeah, I'm ashamed to say I have not gotten him in any drafts so far this year, but that's a very big disappointment for me. He's been a major target for me, and I hope to change that in the coming weeks. We over to oh, uh, is,
2: well quickly when you mentioned the minors for Tampa yeah. Bay, they do have a a guy in AAA, Colby White, who is one of the better relief prospects. Um, you know, plus they do <laughs> big <laughs> similar to like yeah, you know, Fairbanks, big big fastball, good slider. Uh, big strikeout numbers in AAA last year. Thirty-six percent strikeout rate at AAA, or, or two years ago. He didn't pitch last year, um, but he's he's working his way back from Tommy John this year and should be pitching at some point in Tampa baseball pen. So yeah,
3: put him got on like twelve NRIs. Yeah. So
1: put him on your watch list because in 2024 uh-huh. he'll likely be our Peter Fairbanks for next season. So just mm-hmm. mark down bull prediction. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be talking about that guy like he is Pete Fairbanks next year because this mm-hmm. is what Tampa Bay does. But let's move over to Texas. We talked about him at the end of the show with their signing of Will Smith. We think it may play a factor, but Jose Clark still it's still his job, right? Maybe.
2: Uh, I. Uh, i think so for now i'm still i'm still rolling with them i have been on the the leclerc bandwagon for a long time i don't think it's time to get off yet um i just want to see him you know he's i think he pitched in a minor league game or in a b game um or something recently yeah b game um so he's at least throwing live and that's good to see he should be ready that means he should be ready for the start of the season i i think he deserves a chance to be the closer um you know to start the season as the closer but I, yeah like we said with smith he, that connection with bochi uh, if leclerc and we've seen leclerc have some struggles like he melts down pretty pretty bad when he does um if he has a couple of those early on in the season i could see bochi making a quick move to to his trusted veteran in Will Smith.
3: Yeah, I honestly don't have too many strong opinions about this bullpen. I really love Brock Burke. Don't think he's going to be getting saves. I'm pretty sure we talked about this last week when Jose LeClerc was initially sort of dealing with the the neck thing. I love Brock Burke. Multi-inning guy was really uh, incredible last year across 82 innings. Jonathan Hernandez is a guy that in the past has been really good. Mm -hmm. He throws really hard, but he doesn't really strike out the guys that you would expect. He's around 20%. And then outside of that, there's not really anything too inspiring. Joe Barlow had some hype in the past. I really don't think it's warranted anymore. Like you said, Will Smith is the new addition to the team. I wouldn't call him a shiny new toy or anything, but you know, maybe he slips Bruce Bocce a fiver, and then he <laughs> throws him in the closer role for half the year or whatever. But yeah, I'm. I would only really trust Leclerc here. I think he's got the the highest ceiling. He's got the best skills. He saved ball games last year, and as long as he can figure that neck thing out, then uh, I would have all the confidence that he's going to be actually really good next year.
1: Yeah, if you're going to draft Jose Leclerc, which I did in one of my leagues, you better make sure you draft someone pretty soon after as a fallback option. I did that with getting him, and I drafted Carlos Sistevas a few rounds later. But if one thing we know about Bruce Bosch and his managerial tendencies, he likes to have one guy. He looked at the mm-hmm. World Series championships, it's Brian Wilson, Santiago Garcia, uh, Sergio Romo. He gets his guy, and he sticks with him as long as he can. He... If he has pivot, he wants one guy. He's not going to fall into the committee approach. He's going to stick with one guy. And so that's at least nice for us as an- fantasy analysts to try and predict it. But I would agree, Leclerc's stuff is the best. I'm with you that Will Smith is going to play into this, I think. And I think Cat Leclerc is the favorite. But if he struggles, like Jake said, he'll go to his trusted veteran, he'll go to his trusted lefty. And I could see him being the guy who is the next man up and saves, although. His stuff-wise, he probably shouldn't be, but that's just how these things work out. So, Monitor Will Smith. This is one we're going to be watching closely, although LeClerc, they made him the point to pick up his option pretty you know, towards the end of the season. So they want to make him make it a thing, but is it actually going to be it's a huge question? So we'll wrap it on up with the Toronto Blue Jays. Luckily for us, we wrap it up on a situation that's pretty pretty safe we know jordan romano is going to be the guy he was dominant he was one of the best he was power ranked as a sixth overall pitcher last season so going into this season do we have any concerns after dominant 22 is there anything to be concerned about jordan romano or he's just very very safe at this point
2: i think he's pretty safe as far as relievers go it's you know i don't it's hard to say anyone's super safe but um yeah, I I think Romano's a very good reliever. I don't think he's in that elite class. I don't think I don't know if he can ever get to that class, that that tier. Um, you know, there's also a little bit of an injury cons- concern with him from past, years past, but it's been a while. He put, he he, got, he made it through all of last season, so I think he's pretty safe in that second tier but i i like still i still like him as the last guy in that second tier i think i'd rather take a little bit more upside with some of some of the other names there um and there's there's some more competition for him this year with uh, you know eric swanson being added into the mix he's it's either i don't know if it's competition but at least it shores up that bullpen and you know gives them a nice you know bridge to him with swanson garcia and bass so um yeah, bullpen. Other than other than Swanson, stays the same from last year. Nothing has really changed here.
3: Mm-hmm. It's it was sort of a weak bullpen last year. Maybe weak's the wrong word. It didn't feel reliable. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like if Romano's gone, they were sort of falling off the rails. They added Anthony Bass at the deadline last year, and I'm just yeah, I I don't know what it is about this bullpen and what it is about Romano that sort of makes me feel uneasy but there's just something there and Romano has shown in the past that he can strike out over 30% of guys last year dropped to 28%. I don't know what that was about. They've got to deal with the turf there, which can sort of hike up the BABIP as well. And you mentioned Swanson and that's the only, maybe that's what it is that before it was like Romano on a great team, no competition. He strikes out 30% of batters. Like what could go wrong? He's got a 2.06 ERA across the last 2.03 across the last three seasons combined. Like, But now he does have competition of a guy who was really good last year. Swanson had a 1.68 ERA and struck out 34% of batters, which is really, really good. So I think just now that there's some competition, just knowing that if Romano does falter, they could just really quickly just go to Swanson. And the the Jays are really trying to compete this year, as you've seen by the moves that they were making, trading away guys like Teoscar and Lourdes to get Varsho and Swanson. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do feel confident that Romano is going to be really good in fantasy drafts. There's just, there's something, so a je ne sais quoi, but in a negative way um, for about Romano.
1: Yeah, I think he's very safe. It's number one that's probably outside of the range of who I'm drafting. Just he's one of the earlier guys in that second tier we talked about last week. So he'll likely not end up on many of my teams. Because similar to you, there's that slight little concern. I think he's he's safe, he'll get 25 to 30 saves. It's just something with him that it's not the flashiness that I'm, I'm sort of you know, have got to go earlier. It's just, you know, earlier than I usually draft a closer, and there's just something about that pen that doesn't you know, fully wow me. I'm not, I can't really put a finger on it, but you know, he's very safe, he's got that job pretty secure. There's there's names, but I don't think any of them will fully jump in so. We know what we like there in Toronto. If something was to happen to him, I agree Swanson would be the next guy happen. He'll keep an eye on Anthony Bass, too, because he has that veteran. Uh, you know, and he's done it before. So those are some names to monitor out there in Toronto. But... That's going to wrap it on up here for this In The Pen podcast. We've gone through all 15 American League teams and their situation. Lots of names to keep an eye out. Lots of names to monitor going forward. So if you have any individual questions, as always, you can find us on Twitter. You can find the show at in the pen pod. You can find me at Callen underscore Elslager. Jake, Rick, plug what you guys have been working on. I know we have some uh exciting stuff coming up. Jake's put out a great article. I'll outline some sleepers. So let me know where you guys can find you or where you can be found on Twitter as we uh we wrap up here.
2: Yeah, you can find me at on Twitter at I am Rick Graham and excited to uh, start working on you know my second my my update for uh, my rankings this weekend. Um, don't expect a ton to change, but there's definitely going to be some movers here and there. So
3: yeah, yeah. Pete Fairbanks at number one, <laughs> Reynaldo Lopez, number two. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you can follow me at Jake crumpler. That's crumpler with a C. Uh, yeah. Callan said it. I've been pumping out the articles for pitcher List. uh, all different kinds of stuff, pitchers, hitters, relievers. And I also write for a small website called the athletes And I do write for baseball HQ as well. I have a podcast called free baseball, which is more of a general baseball podcast. So if you're looking for more podcast content, cause it's not like there's not enough out there already. You can, you're more than welcome to go listen to that one. We just surpassed 50 episodes, which is pretty crazy, but yeah, that's a, that's on my Twitter. So you can find that pretty easily. And all of my work can be found at crumpler baseball.com
2: it's an exciting
1: time we can say we're deep in the spring training now wbc is going on we just a lot of relievers we're keeping on and we can do this all again next week next week we'll jump into the national league teams kind of go through those and see where we guys we know we have a lot of uh confusing situations at hem arizona where we'll start off next week but exciting time hopefully we don't get too many injuries Let's keep our fingers crossed and just you know keep plowing through us we're getting closer and closer this season i can't wait to get started so we'll cover all that and more next week on the Independent podcast